I'm going home. You can't keep me here. I'm saying goodbye for the last time. I'll find a way. My spirit's guiding me. All alone, I'll fight to be free. Never forget you were born under the morning star. Don't lose sight of the light. She's there. She's waiting for you. Contemplate the mystery of love. Never forget your destiny. I living a lie until now. It's everlasting, the truth I'm searching for. Elizabeth Henshaw from the Zephyr CD. It's called Destiny. The search for the divine is an eternal quest. Man is constantly seeking. Today, perhaps more than ever before, millions search tirelessly in bookshops and libraries and travel the pilgrim routes, hoping to find the way. Those are the first words of a book that we'll be talking about today. It's called The Search for the Divine Mother by Gwenelle Varez. First written in French, it has been translated into Spanish, Russian, German, and now English. This is the Sahaja Yoga Meditation Program. Today, John Tedesco is on the panel, Richard Kennett and Colleen Keatley are reading sections of Gwenelle Varez's book, and this is Brian Bell talking. We live in times of fast change. At one point, early in his book, Gwinnell writes, Everything suggests that we are on the threshold of a profound upheaval. The age of Aquarius is at hand. It has been said that the 21st century will be spiritual, or will not be at all. And later, Spiritual traditions, particularly those of the East, seek to demonstrate that spiritual power is motherly by nature and that it exists as an energy present within each one of us. In India, this is, is known as the inner goddess. Those of you who regularly listen to this program will know that this motherly energy inside each one of us is Kundalini, the dormant, 
three-coiled spiral of energy at the base of the spine, which can, through the grace of Srimataji Nirmala Devi, the founder of Sahaja Yoga, be activated to rise up through all the energy centers, known as chakras, and make the union, the yoga, the connection with that great energy of creation that surrounds us, thus bringing about self-realization, enlightenment, the liberation of the spirit, the basis of good meditation, health, well-being and spiritual progress. Later in the program, Shramataji will be offering this experience to all of you who desire it, offering the peace and joy that oneness with the spirit creates. At one point in his book, Gwenelvarez quotes from Lao Tse, He who possesses the mother of the world has gained eternal life. And from the Devi Mahatmyam. To the goddess who abides in all beings as the mother, salutations to you again and again. From the Holy Quran. Yes, we have made a Quran in Arabic. Perhaps we will understand. It exists with us, sublime and wise, the mother of the book. And the gospel according to Philip. The mother is eternal truth, and knowledge is union. Here's a prayer to that divine mother of eternal truth. Take away the fear, it says. Take away the darkness. Take away the loneliness. Take away the doubt. Give me sight. Give me my voice.
early in the search for the Divine Mother, Gwenelle Varese writes about the ancient form of the eternal feminine principle. Ishtar and Inanna were the great goddesses honoured in Samaria. The worship of the goddess Isis spread from ancient Egypt to Rome and throughout Europe. The love of Cybele spread from Anatolia to Gaul. The French city of Lyon is dedicated to her. The mother goddess Danu travelled in the hearts of the Celts as they moved over many centuries west from Eastern Europe. Like the manifold representations of the Virgin Mary in churches around the world, they all reflect a longing for the eternal feminine. The mother of Jesus, on whom the devotions of millions are focused, was never, of course, officially considered by the church to be a goddess. The canons of the faith are categorical about it, and yet they also say she ascended into heaven, like her son, and was divine. Where, then, was the distinction between them? Especially since praises adhered to her were in the Queen of Salvation, Regina Salutis. She who sets free. In China, in the goddess of compassion, Kuan Yin, who grants salvation. Then Gwinnell's book asks a key question. Why have people in our part of the planet attributed exclusively patriarchal characteristics to the divine for the last 3,000 years? 10,000 years ago, the sole form of divinity, the sole object of veneration here as elsewhere was feminine and maternal. What has caused us to forget? Could this age of ours, following the age of the Father, Yahweh, and the age of the Son, Christ, be the age of the Mother?
addresses Zephyr again, this time praising, in Hildegard of Bingham's words, the Holy Spirit, the Spiritus Sanctus. The Holy Spirit, the Adi Shakti, is God's great generator. She is the goddess who defines, who creates, and who maintains. She is in part Kuan Yin, the Virgin Mary, and all the other feminine divinities who have taken birth on earth. Here is Srimatiji talking about the Adi Shakti, God's prime power. Because it is the power of Adi Shakti that has given you self-realization, that has given you the truth, that has given you the power of compassion and That's the power that separated from Sadashiva. And this power wanted herself to create this complete universe. Universe is after universe. She's creating and loving with her love. She did this great creation, creation of this world also. This is a specially selected planet, which was very beautifully brought in the center between the sun and the moon for the creation of ultimately the human beings. This is her great work with such love and affection and with very great hope that her children will know the truth and will get the ultimate knowledge about themselves and about everything else. As you have read in, in the Bible about how Adishakti came in the form of a snake and told human beings that you have to know the knowledge. Adam and Eve, and to Eve especially, and they accepted to eat the fruit of knowledge. 
because they would have remained just like animals without knowing anything subtleties of life, little higher animals maybe, that once they ate the fruit they started feeding, that there is something wrong the way they are without any clothes. So they brought some leaves of the tree and covered it. So the first knowledge came was of chastity, because Sri Ganesha was established and his influence brought forth this consciousness that we have to cover our bodies. We are no more animals. Only the animals, of course they are not standing, so it's all right, are not aware of it. With the knowledge of chastity, gradually human beings started growing into beautiful nations. But there are so many things which were still to be known, to be aware of it. Maybe aware of many things, but unless and until you get your spiritual awakening, unless and until you get your self-knowledge, all other knowledge is absolutely nothing. With this self-knowledge only you become powerful. The real power, the real power is of love and compassion. Today when you see the whole world is busy fighting and they are trying to protect people, from wars and creating great, huge protecting instruments. The whole world seems to be in a mad race of killing each other, of destroying each other, of competition, ambition, leading to fighting and then to greater wars. They are fighting for a piece of land. So ignorant they are. Can you carry even a pinch of this land with you? 
when you die, when you are born, you come with closed fists. When you die, you go with open hands. What do you take with you? All right, you may not like to take anything, but do you enjoy whatever you think is so great for which you are fighting? Why this fighting going on among all nonsensical people? It's surprising how people give up their peace, give up their understanding when it comes to a piece of land. And the whole thing has moved into a very wrong direction and going towards complete destruction. The thing that has made human beings so much suffering because of all their ignorance by which they have all those habits, all those attractions, all those identification which is so ruinous, which will ruin all of them, each one by one. They have to take two cents and they have to take to their self-knowledge. Self-knowledge is the key for a Savior to give to people. We have had so many saints, we have had so many Sufis, we had Tao people, we had Zen people, all kinds of realized souls came on this earth. They all suffered, they were tortured, nobody understood them. But now the time has come for you to know the truth, but truth which is not dry, Truth which has compassion, truth that encompasses it, that brings the complete view of our existence. Why are we here on this earth? What is our purpose? What should we do? Adi Shakti's powers are such of love and compassion that makes you understand yourself first.
Throughout the Paleolithic period, 20,000 years ago, the Adi Shakti, the goddess of sunshine and gentle rains, of fruit and blossom, of rainbows, contentment and survival, was in her many forms the focus of all the hunter-gatherers' worship. Gunel Varez again. The earliest representation of the deity took the form of the Universal Mother. From their excavations and studies, this has been the conclusion of most, if not all, archaeologists and historians. Thousands of figurines representing the Mother Goddess and dating back at least 20,000 years have been found in a vast area stretching from Western Europe to Siberia. These figures display common features which indicate that they are not simply representations of women or girls, but true symbols of the Mother Goddess, giving life and sustaining the universe. In contrast, no male statue has ever been discovered. The male concept of the deity simply had not emerged at this time. After giving information about many archaeological studies and showing us pictures of these ancient and beautiful sacred figures, Gwynel Varez, in his book, The Search for the Divine Mother, goes on to write about the symbols of the Paleolithic peoples associated with the Mother Goddess. These were the moon, the serpent, and the dove. In all mythologies, until the Iron Age, the moon was considered to be the supreme image of the goddess, the unifying symbol of the mother. The moon obviously represents emotion, fertility, fullness and all the various aspects of the feminine, the highest image of which is the goddess. The moon is also the source of light during the night and illuminates the lunar channel of the mind, the yin of Chinese tradition. At a more subtle level, the moon symbolizes the spirit, for it is the mirror that reflects the light of the sun in the same way that the spirit is the reflection of the light of God within man. It is the goddess who leads mankind to his own divinity and to the contemplation of the spirit. As an unconscious representation of the Kundalini, the serpent is the image of goddess power. Many goddesses are associated with the serpent. Athena is usually represented holding a serpent in her left hand. Isis in Egypt and Inanna in Sumer were often depicted in serpent form. The serpent goddess is also found in Asia. In the Chinese goddess, Nuwa, creator of the human race, for instance. As Srimatiji pointed out in her talk, it was in the form of a serpent that the Adi Shakti offered knowledge, and therefore free will, to Adam and Eve. The dove represents the power of the mother's grace. The dove's ability to fly allows it to escape the earthly world and soar into the eternal sphere. The dove, one of the most commonly recurring symbols associated with the goddess, continued to be used even after the goddess herself had disappeared from religious life. It became the symbol used to represent the Holy Spirit when he, or she, became a more abstract concept.
Not the dove this time, but the lark ascending. Wonderful piece of music for violin and orchestra by Rafe Vaughan Williams. So, now, continuing the story, what caused the change from the worship of the mother goddess to the worship of the paternal god? In attempting to understand the fate of goddess worship, Sumer, often referred to as Sumeria, the great civilization in the Middle East 5,000 years ago, is of outstanding interest. Here, Ishtar and Inanu were the main forms of the goddess. One of the last kings of Sumer, renowned for his great wisdom, took the name Ur-Namu, which means servant of the goddess. It is in Sumer that the first traces have been found of those influences that were to diminish the importance of the goddess in religious consciousness. Sumer represents the first link in the chain of transition from the harmonious veneration of the mother goddess to the Iron Age, when the patriarchal aspect of the deity emerged and became dominant. No civilization lasts forever, and Sumer was gradually invaded by the Semitic peoples. They were semi-nomadic tribes. With their herds of sheep and goats, they roamed throughout the Fertile Crescent. Their relationship with the sedentary Sumerians they encountered alternated between compromise and war. Then the Aryan invasions followed. On a much larger scale, they extended throughout Europe and Iran. Both Aryans and Semites had a profound impact on the Neolithic societies they penetrated, changing both secular customs and religious life. These Neolithic communities, tranquil and protective, offered the best conditions for the development of female qualities, the yin. Life was dependent on the harvest, so fertility rites dedicated to the Earth Mother and the Great Goddess were regularly celebrated. In nomadic societies, however, it was the man, not the woman, who had the major economic and social role, since he was in charge of the livestock. Further, the unpredictable physical and moral challenges inherent in nomadic life called on individuals to mobilise their male attributes, that is the active, aggressive, solar side of their nature, the yang. Nomads no longer prayed to Mother Earth, as the sedentary people of the Fertile Plains had, but turned to the skies, begging favourable weather for their migrations. With the focus on the powerful male de deities, father figures, sky gods, who appear in Mesopotamia from 4000 BC. So tribal gods took over from the mother goddess. Later, Abraham, Moses, Zoroaster and Mohammed denounced these tribal gods as idols. But the patriarchal nature of the godhead remained, increasing in power, to the exclusion of the worship of the gentler mother goddess throughout Europe and the European world. Judaism, Christianity and Islam, the patriarchal religions, took root. Here from the Christian tradition is a duet from Johann Sebastian Bach's cantata Chris Lagen Todespanden, celebrating the mysterious way in which the spirit can overcome all obstacles including even death.
when Alvarez, in his book, The Search for the Mother Goddess, The Search for the Divine Mother, goes on to trace the nature and worship of the Mother Goddess through history, how Christ encouraged women as much as men to share his truth with the world, and how Peter, and especially Paul, after the crucifixion of Christ, downgraded women's role, allowing only men to become the communicators and the priests, a battle still fought today. He also writes about Mother Mary and the resurgence of the eternal feminine, about the Augustan invention of the original sin, about Freud and his anti-feminism, about New Age attitudes to the divine feminine principle. So where are we now? Well, in our time, attention is more and more turning inside to that mothering energy, that nurturing energy, that compassionate energy, Kundalini, that we all have within us. It is the realization of this nurturing, loving seed of the Adi Shakti and her power that Srimataji Nirmala Devi now offers to all who desire it. Those of you who have already gained your self-realization can deepen that experience by joining with Srimataji, making the affirmations she suggests. So, slip off your shoes, put your hands palm upward on your lap, relax, and share the experience with us. We have to close our eyes. You can take out your spectacles because you shouldn't open your eyes till I tell you. Also if you have something very tight on your waist, very tight, or on your neck, then you can little bit reduce the pressure on these two centers. Whatever I have told you, all these conditions, in short means you should be very pleasantly placed towards yourself because you are going to enter into the kingdom of God. So you have to be very pleasantly placed towards yourself. Now, please put left hand like this towards me, both the feet apart from each other, and put right hand on your heart, and now close your eyes. Here you have to ask a very fundamental question about you to me. You can call me Mother or you can call me Sri Mataji, whatever you like. <coughs> Please ask a question three times in your heart. All these questions are to be asked in your heart. Mother, am I the Spirit? Ask this question. Three times. Mother, am I the Spirit? As I told you, if you are the Spirit, you get the guide to yourself, so you become a master of yourself. The Spirit becomes your master. 
So now take your right hand in the upper portion of your abdomen on the left hand side. Here ask another fundamental question three times. Mother, am I my own master? Mother, am I my own master? Ask this question three times, please. I've already told you that I respect your freedom and the pure knowledge cannot be forced on you. So now please take your hand in the lower portion of your abdomen. The center has got six petals. So please ask six times, Mother, please give me pure knowledge. Mother, please give me pure knowledge. Six times. When you ask for pure knowledge, the Kundalini starts moving upward. So we have to, we have to nourish our upper centers with our self-confidence. So please raise your right hand in the upper portion of your abdomen on the left hand side and press it. And here again you have to say with full confidence ten times, Mother, I am my own master. Please say it with full confidence ten times, Mother, I am my own master. I have already told you <coughs> the fundamental truth about you is that you are not this body, not mind. You are not these conditionings and the ego, nor these emotions and intelligence, but you are the pure spirit. So now raise your right hand on top of your heart and here with full confidence, please say twelve times, Mother, I am the pure spirit. Please say that. Mother, I am the pure spirit. Please say it twelve times. Now, one has to understand that this all-pervading power is the ocean of knowledge, is the ocean of compassion, love and bliss, is the ocean of truth. But above all, it is the ocean of forgiveness. And whatever wrong you might have done, this ocean of forgiveness can completely forgive you. It is that powerful. So forgive yourself and raise your right hand into the corner of your neck and your shoulder and turn your head to your right. Here you have to again say it with full confidence sixteen times. Full confidence. Mother, I am not guilty at all. Mother, I am not guilty at all. Please say it sixteen times with full confidence. 
I've already told you, whether you forgive or don't forgive, you don't do anything. But if you don't forgive, then you play into wrong hands. So you have to forgive. If you don't forgive as it is all your lives, you are played into wrong hands. And if you don't forgive, you will also miss out your realization because this center won't open. So please forgive. Now raise your right hand on top of your forehead across, put the fingers on one side and your thumb on the other, you press it hard on the temples and now put it down, your head as far as possible here. Again, you have to say with full confidence, from your heart, not how many times, but from your heart, Mother, I forgive everyone in general. Mother, I forgive everyone in general. This is very important. Without your forgiving, I cannot forgive. You have to forgive yourself. Now, please take your right hand now, the back side of your head, and push back your head as far as possible. Now here you have to say, again, with full confidence and from your heart, not how many times. Without counting your mistakes, without feeling guilty, just for your satisfaction you have to say, Oh, all-pervading power, please forgive me if I have done anything wrong knowingly or unknowingly. Oh, all-pervading power, if I have done anything wrong, knowingly or not knowingly, please forgive me. Say it with full confidence. Now the last sentence, which is very important. Please stretch your palm. Put the center of your palm on top of your head in the, on the fontanelle bone area which was a soft bone in your childhood. Now put down your head as far as possible and push back your fingers. Please, this is very important that please push back your fingers. Here again, I cannot force self-realization on you. Because I respect your freedom, I cannot cross over it. So move your hand now seven times, slowly, clockwise, saying seven times, Mother, please give me self-realization. your hands back on your lap again, palm upward, keep the attention on the top of your head and for a few moments enjoy the meditative peace that passes all understanding. If you wish to buy Grinnell Varese's fascinating and beautifully illustrated book, The Search for the Divine Mother, 
It can be bought at the Adia Bookshop, 230 Clarence Street, Sydney, or you can send $25 to Brian Bell, care of P.O. Box 541 Burwood, New South Wales 2134. And I'll send you a copy. The $25 covers postage. Shumatiji encourages all people who have gained their realization to develop the experience by attending programs with other realized people. You can find out where the nearest program is by ringing 1300-724-252 or visiting our website www.freemeditation.com We're keen to hear from you. So it's goodbye from John Tedesco on the panel, Colin Keatley and Richard Kennett, the readers from Cornell's book, and Brian Bell. We wish you good meditations and look forward to your company at this time next week. <laughs>